Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all this morning. Uh, the first thing I got to say is, you know, I've realized here it is, the middle of December. We are almost at the end of 2019. It seems like the older we get, and Ken, I know you can appreciate this, the older we get, the faster the years go by. So as I was preparing this morning, you know, I was thinking about just the journey we've been on this year. I wanted to just kind of run through a couple things, a trip down memory lane, shall we say, for this year. Early in the year, we felt that God was telling us to enlarge our leadership team, and so we brought Tommy and Josh on as elders, and uh, I think we can all agree that we've benefited by their wisdom, their giftings, and uh, just who they are. It's been a real blessing having them on our eldership team. During the course of the year, you probably noticed we were very intentional about preaching into topics that really kind of reflected the vision that we have for Free Life Church. And that vision, of course, is front and center on our website, and it is that we have a mission to advance the kingdom of God where we live and everywhere we go. And that vision is accomplished, uh, excuse me, that mission is accomplished through our vision, which is that everyone in the church would encounter Jesus become equipped in their faith through a growing relationship with Jesus, and that everyone engages our community with the love of Jesus everywhere they go. In short, encounter, equip, and engage. So if you've been with us any length of time, you know that one of the things that we truly value above almost anything else is the tangible presence of God. It's a palpable thing, and I know that Many people, when they come and visit us the first time, will often remark afterwards that as they walk in the door and as they began to worship, they could truly sense the presence of God. There's nothing like it. Whether it's in worship on Sunday morning, whether it's in an encounter night during the week, our desire is for every single person here to truly have that encounter with Jesus. For some, it might be just a deepened faith, for others, they might be healed in their body, their soul, or their spirit. Perhaps you even received a fresh vision for your life at some point. Maybe someone came and prayed for you, and it changed the course of your life forever. These encounters with God are truly precious, and it is our desire for this to continue to grow and truly be one of the hallmarks of our church. So moving on from encounter to equip, I'm reminded of some of the sermon series we had in the last year. Some of them include Rediscovering the Gospel of Jesus and, most recently, Raising Worshippers. If you're like me and you take notes during the sermon, and I do take copious notes, my iPad is full of them, I would encourage you to go over them when you have some downtime during the Christmas season and just read through them again. You'll be amazed how God will speak to you through them all over again. So as we hurdle forward towards 2020, Many of us will take some time off during the Christmas season to spend some quality time with family, to recharge the battery, and celebrate the birth of our Savior. And it can also be a time of reflection over the past year, perhaps some time to write down some New Year's resolutions. I mean, who couldn't stand to lose a few pounds, right? But uh, can I suggest that we do one more thing this year? Can I suggest that we dare to dream? that we really dream big this Christmas season as we look forward to 2020. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do this coming year? How can I advance your kingdom in my spheres of influence? 
I can tell you that the answers to these questions are deep. And they're not going to come to you quickly, although they may, but they are deep. And the answers to them could shift everything in your life if you'll let them. How many of you were here last week when Lydia was preaching? Sure, quick answer, yeah, most everybody. That's what I figured. He talked about a great number of things, but one of them that really struck out, stuck out to me was the concept of personal vision. And that's when he said it would always include a clear vision or a clear picture of ourselves, our surroundings, and our God. He not only emphasized the importance of having a vision that was connected with the mission of the local church, but he also exhorted us to run in pursuit of it. Friends, the time is now. It's not the time to just stand around or maybe even slowly take a few steps and ponder, is this really where I should go? This is the time to run in pursuit of what God has for us. Just as David ran to the front lines to deliver food to his brothers, and in doing so, he was there at the right time with the right vision to defeat Goliath. So as you ponder these questions and as you bring them before the Lord to find his perspective about how we can advance his kingdom in our spheres of influence, you can be sure of two things. First, God is faithful to answer you. He will not leave you standing there asking and asking and asking and not getting an answer. And secondly, God created you for a specific purpose. Because, you see, everyone and everything that God has created is a solution to a problem. Everyone and everything that he's created is the solution to a problem. Going back to the dawn of creation, God wanted fellowship, so he created Adam. Adam was lonely, so he created Eve. Jonah was sent by God to preach repentance to Nineveh. Moses was the answer to the Hebrews who were crying out under the oppression of the Pharaoh. Jesus was the savior of the entire world. The list can go on and on. Our assignment is always focused on a person or a people. And your life, your unique background, is a solution to somebody who is in need. The spiritual gifts that God has endowed you with are there to help address somebody else's issues. Find those people who need you and who have what you have to offer. Never stop believing that what you've been given is exactly what somebody else needs. You know, in the business world, we have something which is known as an elevator speech. An elevator speech is basically something that you can communicate to another person in, say, three to four sentences. It's about the time it takes for the elevator to get from the ground floor to wherever it's going. And the purpose of it, of course, is to help whet their appetite for what you have to offer to them. Can you define in three to four sentences how God has gifted you and basically the problems that you are equipped to solve in this world? If you're not sure, I would encourage you to think about it. Pray about it. Write it down. Practice it in front of the mirror. Share it with your spouse, your best friend, your dog, your cat. Of course, if you tell your cat, it's probably going to walk away because it's very independent. But, uh, you know, be ready. Once you've got that down and once you're ready to tell people, when you, ex when you encounter someone who has what you have to offer and you share that with them, just get ready for what God does next. Sometimes 
The mission isn't just to a person, but it's to a people. Consider the life of Paul for a moment. As an evangelist and an apostle, his mission was to tell the people in various regions about Jesus and then establish churches with those new believers. Let's take a look at Acts 13 for one moment, if you have your Bibles with you. If you don't, we'll have it on the board. And beginning in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a longtime friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which, to which I have called them. Then, after praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There wasn't a lot of time there, was there? Going back to the thought of don't walk, don't stand around, go. After praying and fasting, they laid their hands on them and off they went. And they went to places like Iconium, Ephesus, Corinth, and so forth with a mission to lead people to the truth about Jesus and then to establish churches in that region. God may be calling you to plant churches or he may be calling you to something in this local church right here. Maybe as a greeter or a children's church worker or one of the many other ministries we have here in the church. Because let's be honest, the church is getting bigger. It's getting pretty full and if we don't have another team of 30 or 40 volunteers, it's going to be super hard to go to a second service. So, what do we do? The Lord knows what's going to happen. Whether it's a second service or him providing the funds for a larger facility, anything is possible. But we know that if we ask the Lord, he will show us our part to play in that. For some of you here, I have to be honest, I'm guessing that some of you are hearing some negative thoughts in your head like, nobody really needs what I've got. I've got nothing special. What do I have that could be used? Those negative thoughts, I'm telling you, are not from the Lord. They are lies from the enemy, and he is doing everything in his power to keep you on the sidelines and to keep you from realizing who he made you to be and then preventing you from fulfilling your destiny. I encourage you to reject those thoughts, recognize where they were from, and remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. As Paul says in the book of Philippians, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. We need to take hold of the calling that God has on our lives and reject those negative thoughts. Do you remember Gideon? Remember how when the angel of the Lord came to him and he said, Oh, I'm the least man in the least clan of the least tribe of Israel. I mean, talk about having a negative perspective on yourself. And yet, he was the very man who the Lord knew from before the beginning of time that he would be the one who would lead a small army to defeat the Midians, the Midianites. And so... We have to just set aside those negative thoughts and recognize that when God is calling us to something larger than ourselves, he'll equip us to do it. It's not about who we think we are. It's about who he knows we are. So when it comes to the ministry that God has designed for you, it's important to understand that you will never possess what you're unwilling to pursue. Generally speaking, the people to whom you minister are probably not actually actively seeking you out though it can happen. I knew a, a, a man who was an evangelist, uh, a friend of mine, 
People would literally come up to him at lunch. He'd be sitting, eating lunch, we'd be eating. Someone would just suddenly ask him, how do I, how do I, get, how do I get saved? Can you tell me about Jesus? They didn't know him from Adam, and yet they would come up and, and, and talk to him. That, that was a gifting. That was an office of evangelism that was all over this guy. But that's not necessarily the case for all of us. I know I don't have that. They don't come flocking to me at lunch. But, you know, that's really not the norm. I mean, even Jesus, he didn't go to a town, didn't set up a chair in the middle of town and wait for everyone to come to him and he would heal them or, or speak to them or pray, pray a blessing over them. No, he went to the marketplace where the people were. He went to the shore of the Sea of Galilee where the fishermen were. That's how, that's how it went for him. He went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere he went, as it says in Luke chapter 9. So your giftings are connected to people. Sick people need to be healed. People being sued need a judgment in their favor. Every person you meet would love to have their lives improved in some way. They just don't know how to do it on their own. The alcoholic and the drug addict, they are in a bondage that they just don't know how to break free from. Some folks are looking for financial freedom from a mountain of debt. Others are desperate for their health to improve. Jesus understood all that. He knew that he could change the trajectory of people's lives with just a word. He was a restorer and a repairer of broken lives. And we are called to do likewise. Not only are we called, but we are equipped through the power of the Holy Spirit. We may not be individually, although Dwayne might be able to help someone get, get out of a lawsuit, but most of the rest of us cannot. So, even though we, are may, we may not be qualified in that way, we may well have the words of encouragement and hope based on what we've been through to be able to help our discouraged or depressed neighbor or our friends whose marriage is in crisis. Laying dormant within you is a gift of potentially healing or prophecy that God will use to advance his kingdom. So let's get a little practical. For some people here, you know exactly why God why God made you and what he has called you to do. You know how he's gifted you and you know how he uses you to meet the needs of others. For many others, I'd venture to say that isn't the case. And if that's you, take heart because you're probably not alone. Believe me. You may never have really thought about why God made you. Distinct, unique you. It's not something that necessarily comes to you in an instant, especially if you're not pursuing it Though, again, it could come to you in an instant. But I can tell you that when you find it, you will have a sense of joy that comes from helping others, a sense of purpose for doing what God has made you for, and joy for knowing that you are advancing his kingdom. And the joy that comes from the unique blending of two forces that are at work in you, the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. One brings the life of God, and the other brings the kingdom of God. Salvation, which comes through Jesus, is experienced instantaneously as we accept him and begin our relationship with him. But the Spirit of God teaches us the wisdom of God, and he teaches us the keys to living the abundant life that are learned progressively through the rest of our lives as he unlocks the truth of the Bible. He's the one who's going to be that still small voice that speaks to you and tells you, do this, go there. He's absolutely essential, absolutely essential to living the normal Christian life, 
the way God truly intended for us to live. If we go to church on Sundays, but we don't make time for the Lord, or maybe even ignore the promptings of the Spirit during the week, no matter how good the teaching may be on Sunday, or the worship, sensing the presence of God, during the course of the week, we'll begin to struggle with frustration and disappointment because we're just a little bit out of sync with what God wants us to do. Without the application of spending quality time with him, it's just going to leave us in that feeling of, I just need to get back to church. I just need to get back to church because that's when you suddenly feel connected with him again. But I encourage you, during the course of the week, if you spend time with him, it's going to change everything. So you know what real success is in life? Real success is the achievement of God's goals for our lives. It's fulfilling the will and the plans the Father's had for us since before the foundations of the world. It's vital that we seek to understand those plans for our lives and then pursue them with a laser-like focus. This reminds me of a, a business person who some of you may have heard of. Her name is Carly Fiorina. As a young woman, she was a secretary working at AT&T Lucent, and uh, her, her supervisor noticed that she really seemed to have a lot of potential. So he promoted her to office manager. She soon got her degree, and then she took on more and more responsibility. And to make a long story short, in 1999, she left AT&T and became the CEO of Hewlett-Packard. Under her leadership, in six years, the company's revenue grew by $45 billion, and she was a huge success in the eyes of the world. But as some of you know, she's also a Christian. And so in 2012, she became the chairman of an organization called Good360. And what they do is they take overstocked items from companies all around the world and give them to charities around the world. And Carly, as she took on this role, said, this is her mission. This is her calling from God. Now, there's nothing wrong with success in the world, but she had had both. She had had success at Hewlett-Packard, and then she sensed the calling of God on her life and became chairman of Good360. So it's really an awesome thing when our dreams line up with the will of God and his design for our lives. But there are times where we might run off and pursue something that wasn't exactly what he intended for us. There's a passage about David in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 beginning down in verse 6, that illustrates a bit of a disconnect between man's desire and God's will. Spoiler alert, God's will is going to win. So let's read beginning down at verse 6. Then he, David, called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You've shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you've shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. And he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper, 
And may you build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. So David wanted to build the temple. That was the desire of his own heart. Not really, though, the desire of the father. David had been a mighty man of war, and there was just too much bloodshed in his time as the king. But there was going to be peace and prosperity in the time of his son Solomon. And so Solomon was the builder that God had chosen. So it's good to know, though, that even though that happened, David still had an opportunity to play a part in this. And we'll get into that in a moment. But imagine if you were Solomon and you're hearing those words from your father. God spoke to him before he was even born and told him about this amazing mission that his son would carry out. Never mind the fact that God even told him, you're going to name your son Solomon. That's fascinating. If you were that child, that would be amazing to know that God had spoken that clearly about you before you were even born. That vision had already been set for him. One of the most powerful things we can do as a parent is to bless our children. Pray a blessing over our children. Speak prophetically over their lives. When you do that, it's going to put destiny over their lives. You speak life into them. You speak inheritance to them. It has an impact in the natural and the spiritual and trust me, they will never forget it. So, getting back to David. David had it in his heart to build the temple, but that wasn't quite God's design. But, God did have a way to let him play a very important part in this process. So going back to the example, if we go back to verse 1 of chapter 22, 1 Chronicles, it says, Then David said, this is the house of the Lord, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he appointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates, and for the joints, and bronze in abundance beyond measure, and cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre who brought much wood to David. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations for it before his death. Isn't that interesting? Even though God had chosen Solomon to build the temple, David still had a vital role to play by gathering the materials and making abundant preparations for it. In fact, we won't turn there, but we see later in chapter 28 that it was David who even developed the plans for the temple and ultimately turned them over to Solomon for the actual construction. So the question that might be running through your minds now is, how would I know the difference? How will I know whether it's something that I have in my mind that I should do, or is it something that's aligned with what God wants me to do? The answer is simple, but the journey is not always a short one. I can tell you in, in my life, um, I'll give you an interesting uh, scenario that happened a number of times over the years. I've been uh, a finance director for a company for many, many, many years, longer than many of you have been alive. <laughs> and there were several times 
three times during the course of my career that I kind of got itchy feet and I wanted to go somewhere else. But God had placed me there for a reason. And so as I struck out on my own to go work at another company, three times on the day of my interview, I would go to the facility where the other company was and I was to meet with the chief financial officer. And the day that I would arrive, I would talk to the receptionist and they would say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, but the CFO resigned yesterday. <laughs> I considered myself the CFO killer after a while. I realized that this was not God's plan for my life. He was absolutely redirecting me and saying, no, I want you here. And so I've been there 32 years. Someday he may release me to go somewhere else. I don't know. I've actually enjoyed the journey. But uh, it, it's, it's been absolutely fascinating. The three times that I got very close, the door was shut. And that's when you know it's the Lord. And the way it was shut uniquely, the same way three times, you absolutely know it's the Lord. So that's not normal. So let me give you the more normal way to find out if your plans are aligned with God's plans. And, and that is spend some time with him. Be prepared maybe to spend a lot of time with him. This could involve times of prayer and fasting, um, some quality time in the Word. Um, you'll know you're onto something when he begins to reveal a plan to you step by step. You might receive confirmation through a prophetic word from someone that you know and trust. Keeping with our example of David and, and the building of the temple, we don't have to turn here, uh, but we see in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that David had been victorious through a number of battles, and then the, the Lord gave him some rest, and so he had some time to start thinking. And in that quiet time, that's when David first conceived of the idea of building the temple. So he shared it with his friend Nathan the prophet. Nathan didn't inquire of the Lord right away when David suggested this, but he simply responded to David, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Well, that evening, however, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, and he said to Nathan, tell David that one of his offspring would build the temple, not David. This was, again, before Solomon was even born. So it was Nathan the prophet who gave that word to David. So instead of being disappointed that David had, or that the Lord had chosen someone else, David went out and he prayed a prayer of gratitude to the Lord for all that he had done for him, and he went out and worshipped the Lord. Now that is a man whose God is fully devoted to God, a man after God's own heart. So when it comes to your calling, your ministry to further the kingdom of God, pray and seek out others who are known to give godly counsel, look for confirmations, listen to the Spirit, and be aware of what excites you. What excites your spirit? If you want to hear faster and more clearly, cultivate an instant response to God. The more sensitive we are and the more we act in faith when we hear the Lord act, asking us to do something, the easier and easier it becomes to hear his voice and to know his will. So this probably goes without saying, but as you begin to sense what he has in store for you in the coming year, again, be prepared for the enemy to come in and start derailing or at least attempting to derail the plans of God. He's going to throw ideas at you that really don't line up at all with what you heard from the Lord. He might bring in other people to unwittingly sow seeds of doubt or fear and defeat. You're going to need to trust everything that you hear and read and make sure 
that it lines up with both the written word of God, the Logos, or the spoken revealed word of God, the Rhema. Hold fast to that which confirms what God has revealed to you and just discard the feedback or advice that very clearly seems to contradict the word of God and only serves to breed doubt and defeat. I would encourage you to basically speak life over your dreams and your mission. The power of life and death are in the tongue, so choose to express faith and confidence in God. Refuse to take your eyes off the goal by focusing on any obstacles that might be before you. As Paul said, press on toward the goal, run the race with endurance. Times may get tough. In fact, they almost assuredly will. But that's actually not a bad thing. Adversity really does have its advantages. It reveals the depth of the commitment that others have in the calling that you believe God has placed in your life. You may even find out who your Barnabas is, your son of encouragement, who will be there right beside you to encourage you and to press on with you as you pursue God's mission for your life. It's going to force you to dig deeper in your relationship with the Lord. And it's in these times of digging deeper, that's when faith arises and the manifold wisdom of God truly enters in. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who is generous who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. And what is the definition of wisdom? It is the application of knowledge, experience, and sound judgment to a situation. Imagine the difference that God's wisdom would make in a situation. The application of his knowledge, his experience, his judgment. You can't lose when the wisdom of God is applied to a situation or circumstance. So I have a couple other of practical thoughts I'd like to share with you before bringing this to a close. Your mission, your calling, may actually not be here in Northern Virginia, though it certainly could be. Your destiny may actually be somewhere far away. In Genesis chapter 12, God told Abram to go from the land of his fathers and his forefathers to a land that he did not know. And through obedience to that command, God promised to make of him a great nation, that his name would be great, and that he would be a blessing. Think about that. He would be a blessing. To all who came in contact with him and conversed with him, they then received the spiritual light of God as he moved into an area that truly really didn't even know God. And to those of us who read about his life thousands of years later, he's still a blessing. Did you know that when Abraham received that call from God, he was 75 years old? 75. So if you're thinking you're getting a little bit old and gray, and maybe you've already missed whatever calling God has for your life, I got good news for you. It's not over till it's over. I remember when I was a kid, there was a TV commercial. It was a serial commercial, and the the tagline kind of was, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And then I'll leave out the, the true commercial part. But you know what? Those words always inspired me. And I hope you find some inspiration there as well. Forget the past. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Our God is a God of new beginnings, and his mercies are new each and every day. Look at Ruth. She was another example of someone whose destiny would be fulfilled in another land. She was a Moabite, but she left her family in Moab to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Bethlehem. There she met Boaz, who would eventually become her husband. And they had a son 
Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. So the fruit of her obedience had an impact on all generations from then until now, as David was in the line of our Savior Jesus. So I'd like to bring this to a close with a reminder of something I said earlier. You are the solution to somebody else's problem. You are the key that will unlock the shackles that bind somebody else. You are a walking life jacket to somebody who is drowning in a sea of despair. Matthew 14, 14 says that when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He felt what they felt. He feels what we feel and he knows what it is to be hurting. As the writer of Hebrews said, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Oftentimes, we know exactly where we're called to minister. We can see a need in the church or a need in our neighborhood and know in our hearts that we are the answer to that need. And when the hurts and problems of other people begin to matter to us and we make a difference in their lives, take note. When you feel compassion rise up in you, Time and again, when you encounter someone with a particular burden or sorrow or predicament, take note. Maybe you've been in their shoes yourselves. Maybe you were in an abusive relationship. Maybe you had cancer. Whatever it is, God may give it, be giving you a heart for them because you have the key that will unlock their freedom. Now, before I close, there's one thing that I cannot possibly leave this stage without saying, and that is, Unless you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're never going to know what his mission is for your life. You're never going to know why you were born. You'll never know why you were here. So I would encourage you, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, make it a priority today. It is the most important step you will ever take in your entire life. If you're not sure how to do that, come up front after the service is over. And we will have a team standing over here on the side, and we would love to pray with you in a prayer, and we will lead you to Jesus, and we will set you on the first step towards the most exciting adventure you've ever had. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, each of them are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, you have a destiny and calling on every man, woman, and child in this building. I pray, Lord God, that each of us would seek you and ask, Lord, what is your mission for my life? What can I do to advance your kingdom? What can I do for you? Lord, we love you, and we thank you thank you for your calling on our lives. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love everyone. Everyone in this world is loved by you. Lord, use us to be the key that unlocks the shackles that bind. Use us to bring freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.